0: Hey, podcast family. Before we jump right into the content, just a quick disclosure. The first part of this episode was recorded in clinic in between patient lulls, and then the rest of the episode was completed in studio. So I'm sorry if the first part has some kind of weird audio or background stuff. I'm trying to do the best of time management and at the same time hold our commitment to get stuff that's hot off the press to you quickly. I know, I know, I really should wait to do it into the studio, but I'm trying to multitask. All to say, I'm sorry if there's weird background noises in the first part of the episode, but my team will do their best to try to minimize that. And then the remainder of the episode was completed in studio. All right, let's get on with the show.
1: In a groundbreaking development from Staunton, Virginia, a recent study has shed light on a troubling connection between the world of everyday plastics and the health of our newborns. Phthalates, chemicals found in thousands of plastic products, have been linked to an alarming increase in premature births across the United States. Researchers have discovered that these substances, known for making plastics flexible, act as endocrine disruptors interfering with the body's hormone systems. This interference is not without consequence. Mothers with the highest levels of phthalates in their urine are facing a 50% increased risk of delivering their babies preterm. The implications are vast, with nearly 56,600 preterm births in 2018 alone potentially linked to phthalate exposure.
0: That was a newly released news clip from Breakthrough News, whose title was New Study Links Phthalate Exposure in Plastics to Increase Premature Birth Rates. And that's absolutely correct. That's exactly what this new study showed. This new publication came out on February the 6th, 2024, and we're going to review that article in this episode. But it's interesting that this is getting national and international news, and it should. I don't want to minimize that. But oddly enough, this isn't new at all. We've known this for over a decade. Now, it is perfect timing because the US has had an increase nationwide in preterm birth rates. And we're going to cover all of this data and give you all of these resources and references in just a minute. But we're definitely going in the opposite direction in terms of preterm birth rates. Yep, everybody understands that we are not doing well with preterm births. The CDC just released its most recent report on this just last month on January the 31st, 2024, in its National Vital Statistics Report, Volume 73, Number 1, that showed that preterm birth rate in the U.S. actually went up 12%. Now it's hovering at around 9% nationally, although certain states have it as high as 10%. And remember that the March of Dimes recently gave the U.S. a grade of D-plus when it comes to preterm birth. That was just a couple of months ago on November the 16th, 2023, in its report called the 2023 March of Dimes Report Card, The State of Maternal and Infant Health for American Families. So, We've got to do anything that we can to try to understand what causes preterm birth. So this new information, which actually isn't new at all, and I'm explaining that in this episode, is important. We should know this. However, I am very conflicted by this because nowhere in any of this data does this actually prove causation. It's a super interesting and very valid association, but association, as we all know, doesn't prove causation. Plus, we know that preterm birth is multifaceted and the one big factor that has to be addressed here is physiological stress, because there's a separate publication that shows that stress added to exposures of these chemicals likely is the important factor here. So nothing lives in isolation. So very interesting, a little controversial, because what are we supposed to do about exposure to something that is ubiquitous? I mean, it is all around us. So I'm going to explain that in this episode. So I'm very conflicted by this, but because this is red hot off the press with this new publication and it's making national and international news, we got to understand because some patients are going to ask us and if you're getting ready to take your oral boards coming up uh, this coming fall... For sure, preterm birth is on the radar because, as I've already mentioned, we're going in the opposite direction, up 12% just from years past. So in this episode, we're going to talk about phthalates and preterm birth and the quote unquote new data that isn't new at all. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. All right. First, I have to say, how good does even bad news sound with a British accent? I mean, right? Now, first of all, I can't figure this news clip out because it's out of Virginia, like the state of Virginia. So did the guy really have to have a British accent? I don't know. But man, it just sounds good, right? I mean, he's giving us like terrible news. But when you say it with a British accent like that, I mean, it's just, well, that's a terrible British, isn't it? I can't do British uh, I can barely do English, normal American English, so, all right, all to say is that news clip from Breaking News, uh, was correct, everything that they said was right, but as we mentioned in the intro, it's interesting how this thing got picked up, it's all over, it made international news, it's on the BBC, um, we've known this for like a decade, so it's, it's odd, um, I can't explain it except the fact that it's right off the heels of the CDC's report saying that right preterm birth went up 12%. So I don't know. There's a lot of questions that remain here because what I don't want is that there to be this assumption that this causes preterm birth. We're not there yet. It is very possible that phthalates, which I'll discuss in a minute and explain, and also explain why I said it's almost impossible to not have exposure to it in our current situation right now, there are things that we're good that you can do that we all can do to try to limit phthalate exposure. And I'm going to give us all 10 practical steps that we can take starting right now uh, that can limit our phthalate exposure. Okay, because this isn't just about pregnancy. Phthalate chronic, high-level phthalate exposure has been linked to certain endocrine issues, certain kinds of malignancies, um, certain kind of neuronal dysfunction. I'm going to get into all of this. And again, leave us with some practical tips that sound good. It's just that in reality, I don't know how we're going to do it because it is so ubiquitous. Really, the big answer here from a commercial slash industrial perspective is that there needs to be some kind of federal and international regulation that say that these chemicals called forever toxins or forever chemicals uh, just cannot be in materials anymore, okay? And when I say that they're ubiquitous, I mean it's ubiquitous. Think about if you run into a store, you want to get a a Dr. Pepper. Uh, How do you usually get it? It comes in a plastic bottle that's got some phthalates in it. Let's say you're at a concert. You want a bottled water. I mean, are you going to carry around your jug of water everywhere? I guess you can, but, I mean, weird. I mean, most people just get a bottle of water. That's phthalate exposure. Oh, my goodness. It gets it's so deep. And I'm going to give you the whole list of where phthalates are, but uh, let's say you want to store your food and you put it in a little Tupperware. That plastic little Tupperware container likely has phthalates. It is ubiquitous. And this is the thing. It doesn't have to be just ingested. It's not about ingestion. It's on contact with skin. It's in certain perfumes. It's in some soaps. Phthalates are nearly everywhere. So when I read this, um, not just in this new report that came out on February the 6th, but it's been in in 2020, it was in 2018, all the way back to 2013. I'm going to give you some of those references in a minute. My, my first thought is, wow, I, I know this is obviously makes sense. We know that artificial stuff in our life is probably not good, but then what do we do about it? Because even if you said, that's it, I'm going completely vegan and all natural. Fantastic. How does that look like in a daily life? Because I'll tell you this morning, I'm not ashamed. I'll tell you, I was running late to the clinic this morning and I ran through my little McDonald's uh, drive through with my hungry self. And I had my little breakfast, uh, McDonald burrito that I'm sure is like 10% natural ingredients in there and 90% artificial. I'm sure of it. And you know what? It was delicious because I was hungry. So I, I'm telling you, see what I mean? I mean, there's life happens. So what, was I going to just go starving? Cause I didn't want to eat processed foods. And even as I drove away, I'm like, I know I shouldn't eat this, but oh, well hunger wins and down the chute it went and it was good. So it's just, it's so hard to say, I'm going to get rid of all plastic exposure in my life. It's possible. It's very possible. It's just not probable because it's so, so integrated into everything that we come into contact with. And I'm going to explain. That's why I'm very conflicted by this. So I'm going to be very clear. The more information that we have to try to reduce preterm birth, I'm 100% there. I, we need to do it. Let's get the word out. The second thing is, what do I do with this? What do I do with this information? How do I try to change my exposure to this? And I'm going to give us our 10 things in a minute. But even those are going to be very, very hard, because it takes 100% commitment every single day, even on vacation, even when you don't feel like going out to eat, you you you've got to or when you feel like going out to eat, you got to avoid that tendency, because uh, processed foods are rich in phthalates. So it's not just in plastics, these are these are in certain kinds of preservatives as well. These, these are all kinds of chemicals that mainly live in the plastic realm. But it's so deep, guys. Because as I mentioned, it's even in soaps and detergents and in perfumes. So again, I'm a little conflicted by this. But my main confliction is that I really wish we would take that leap and have the data that shows not only is there an association, but we can actually say it's causation. We know what causes preterm birth. But the reason that total elimination of phthalates is not going to solve everything is because preterm birth is multifactorial and stress and nutrition and overall health uh, maintenance. All of those things go into preterm birth propensity. And even in this article, and I'm going to show you here in a minute, it's not like phthalate exposure is linked to 50% of the preterm birth rate. It's not. You know what the data actually shows? It says that phthalate exposure could likely explain 5 to 10% of all preterm births in the US okay specifically when they looked at this data uh, starting in 2018 okay 5 to 10% now that's in, that's in, significant that's not insignificant that's impactful that's meaningful because 5 to 10% we say that's one out of 10 10% is one out of 10 births right But that's exactly what all the headlines said. Oh my gosh, exposure to these chemicals is responsible for preterm births one out of 10 times. Well, that's not actually what the report said. It said five up to 10%, which is good to know. But what about the other 90% of preterm births? You see why this is controversial and I'm conflicted about this. We need to know this. And I I get that these exposure to these chemicals is bad. Get it. I, I understand that. I want to avoid that for myself and my family. I get that. But what about the 90%? What causes that? And as that news clip said, and I'm going to tell you here in a minute, those actual numbers do mean something. I mean, they're not insignificant, but we still have 90% of preterm births that are left unexplained, all right? But that 10%, up to 10% would mean about 57,000 preterm births in the US. So it is significant, 57,000 but I wish we had something that was like 90%. Well, now that we've settled on that little controversial tidbit of info, let's get back to this new publication. So this came out February the 6th, 2024, and this was published on The Lancet Planetary Health, right? So there's the regular Lancet, and then there's the Lancet Planetary Health. Yes, that's its own journal. The title is Prenatal Phthalate Exposure and Adverse Birth Outcomes in the USA, a prospective analysis of births and estimates of attributable burden and costs. Right? So, cost is the other issue because 57,000 preterm births obviously translates to an economic burden on the system. So, again, definitely not making light of this. This is a big deal. Um, but again, putting everything in proper perspective, 5 to 10% of preterm births, if we can reduce that, absolutely a win. It still leaves 90% caused by some other thing, okay, or associated with some other thing. Because remember, while this could be a- an interesting association, right now the data, because these are observational, cannot prove causation. We're not quite there yet, okay? But even though this is making the news, and again, this new publication came out just last week This actually is not new at all. That's why we put, quote, new data in the quotes in the title of this episode, okay? Because back in 2022, so let's go back two years in JAMA Pediatrics, authors published quote associations between prenatal urinary biomarkers of phthalate exposure and preterm birth this was a pooled study of 16 us cohorts okay now the first author of this was welch again this came out 2022 almost the exact same stuff using a separate set of cohorts a separate set of data So we've known this for two years. Actually, we've known this for like a decade, but just stick with me for a minute. I'll give you that 2013 publication in just a minute. But let's take a look at the 2022 data because it said pretty much the same stuff, all right? In this 2022 pooled analysis of 16 studies, again, all U.S.-based, that included about 6,000 pregnant individuals, what they found was that the metabolites of these phthalates, of these chemicals, and they actually quantified those in urine samples during pregnancy, and then they looked at at the odds rate of delivering preterm. Okay, and they also did a hypothetical intervention where they did math modeling to say, hey, if we could reduce exposure of these phthalates, how much preterm births would that save? Okay, so it, that part, the hypothetical reduction in preterm birth rate, that was a math model. Okay, but they actually did look for urinary metabolites of these phthalates, uh, and then looked at preterm birth rates. Okay, and and this was also picked up in national news as it should. We should be releasing this. For example, back in 2022, one of the national news sites said, oh, abnormal chemicals in plastics possibly tied to preterm births. Okay, well, Well, there you go. I mean, yes, it's just like we just figured out in this new study from a week ago. So again, nothing new at all. And then back in 2013, so over a decade ago, in the Huffington Post, there was a commentary published online whose title was, quote, how to avoid phthalates. And then listen to this. This is very catchy. Even though you really can't avoid phthalates, end quote. That's that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That's why I'm conflicted. Guys, this commentary from the Huffington Post, and I'll post the link to this, of course, on our reference page. Um, It's very clear. There it is. Or you can Google how to avoid phthalates, even though you can't avoid phthalates. And this is why I'm conflicted. Because the last thing I want to do is is have a patient who has preterm birth uh, and is going through that psychological stress and hardship and is worried about the child, uh, see this news story and go, oh my gosh, those sodas that I drank from that plastic container is why I delivered my child early and I'm to blame. Self-blaming and self-guilt for something that may be possibly causative and again, maybe not. um, It's just not not fair to that patient to take that upon herself. Like that is the absolute, that's the only thing that could explain that preterm birth. Not the case. So I want to be very clear right now, all of this data that spans a decade, not just from February the 6th, has shown that there is likely an association between phthalate exposure and preterm birth. But the big factor that you can't you can't tease out here is how much the other things in life influence that influence that risk: nutrition status, dietary intake, caloric intake, daily stress, overall body inflammation, Um, uh, medical conditions, family history. Does that make sense? That's why pulling any one thing out and going, this one thing explains everything is likely not the case. That's why this likely is responsible if it's causative later, if it's proven to be causative for about five to 10%, up to 10% of preterm birth. Okay, but again, did y'all see that 2013? There's a commentary how to avoid phthalates even though you can't avoid phthalates. It's kind of tongue in cheek and that's exactly what I'm trying to say here and why I'm very conflicted. I'm all for this new info and I'll give you that data in a minute and tell you exactly what this February 6th publication showed but it really is more of a, a call on manufacturers to change how they're making stuff, okay? And making a lot of things from children's toys to soaps to detergents, to fragrance, uh, to perfumes, to food containers. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. But remember, at the end, I'm going to give you the 10 easy steps that we all can do to try to limit or reduce our phthalate exposure as much as possible, okay? But phthalates really are... Uh, ubiquitous guys it's everywhere let me give you some of the examples that I found online from the CDC and in consumer reports that tells you where the main phthalate offenders live okay this is not hard like detective work or hard research you can find this up online and look look how complicated this is so for you to say oh I'm gonna avoid phthalate super easy I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut them out of my life fantastic you would have to live in a bubble because they are everywhere. So manufacturers add phthalates to consumer products for a variety of reasons. Some of them is to increase flexibility of plastics. Some of them are types of preservative material. So let me just give you some of the ways that we have phthalate exposure. Ready? Here we go. Phthalates are also the primary factor in polyvinyl chloride. That's PVC. That's in some children's toys. Phthalates are also found in detergents, in vinyl flooring, in some furniture. Shower curtains can have uh, phthalates within them. Anything that is stain-resistant or rain-resistant likely has phthalates. Automotive plastics, lubrication oils and adhesives, some clothing and shoes, certain kinds of shampoo, soap, hairspray, nail polish, certain kinds of perfumes. It's in Tupperware containers, and of course, it's in plastic bottles. There you go. So, how can we avoid this? And here's the catch it's not just ingestion. That's why exposure to certain shower curtains, that's why exposure to plastic forks, that's an issue, guys. And again, don't worry. I'm not going to leave us all depressed with like, holy crap, we're surrounded by junk and chemical garbage, which we are, Um, but there's ways that we can try to expose that on a conscious level as much as possible, okay? So yes, has there been links, associations between phthalates and lower birth weight uh, and lower weeks uh, at delivery? Absolutely. We've known that for a decade, which is why it's so interesting. February 6th, everyone's talking about the news. I, you know, I saw this on CNN, certain chemicals in, in, your, in your food preservatives and in your food containers can cause preterm birth. Brother, we've known that for 10 years. So interesting how, I, I guess we forget or whatever, you know, some new study comes out and they got it, it's got to make the media. I'm all for this study. I want to be very clear. I think this is good info. But it's not new, and my next question is what do we do with this? And we would still have on our best day 90% of preterm births to deal with. Because again, according to this publication, five to ten percent were associated with preterm births. Now, not just a pregnancy and prenatal issue. Just to be clear, phthalates across the board from the World Health Organization and the CDC have said that there's associations with phthalates, to the following chronic conditions. Y'all ready? Listen to these. Childhood obesity, asthma, cardiovascular issues, cancer, reproductive issues, including certain kinds of infertility. There have been some congenital anomalies, including genital malformations, and even undescended testes. In some cases, phthalate exposure has been linked to oligospermia, low sperm counts, and even altered testosterone levels in adult males. The problem and the catch with all of these is that it's hard to separate phthalates to other behavioral exposures and or actions, all right? So before we even get to more of the data, what's the take-home here? We got to be as healthy as we can. We got to get up. We got to move. We got to try to eat as healthy as possible. We got to watch what we eat and drink. And I've said this many times, guys, and I'm not the healthiest person as exemplified by my McDonald's breakfast burrito this morning, okay? But I do try. To try as much as possible to be aware of what enters our body because nutrition and macronutrients and micronutrients are a big deal, and phthalates that are nearly ubiquitous, guys, I mean, all around us are bad. But to say again, is this the absolute answer against preterm birth? Likely no, but it is a move in the right direction, okay? So here we are. As as we've already set that stage, when I say they are all around us and it's a global problem, I am not being pessimistic and I'm not trying to, uh, you know, paint one kind of picture that's not there. I mean, this, we've already... We, we the CDC says this is a big deal. So most people, not just in the US and the European society, there's actually a, a whole society called European Plasticizers. It's an industry trade association has said, yeah, we, we got to do something about these uh, preservatives and, and plastic uh, 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 additives and ingredients and even uh, the components that go into food. There's certain kind of phthalates that actually end up in food uh, products, like processed foods. So it's very complicated, okay? Now that we've said all that, that now brings us to the Lancet Planetary Health and its new publication. So let's let that settle in as I about to drink water from my little plastic water bottle. Oh my God, I'm so disgusted. I mean, do you see this? I'm being honest, guys. I'm, I'm not trying to be hypocritical, but literally right in front of me, and I'm taping this in in our office because... Um, residents are are doing something. I'm about to go uh, see a patient. Again, we're in a little lull and I'm like, I'm going to get to to do this. That's why there's probably an echo, guys. I'm not in studio, Um, but I got a water bottle. Oh my gosh. So it's just everywhere, but I'm thirsty. So let that settle in and we'll be back in just a moment.
1: First, alert safety desk here with Aisha, and you're learning about a study that more babies are born premature because of exposure to a chemical? Right, just learning about this this morning. We've reported on forever chemicals. We've heard that a lot recently in our reports, PFAS and water, things like that. But researchers say a synthetic chemicals known as phthalates, it's also forever chemicals, is linked to this increase they're seeing in premature births. So experts say it's nearly impossible actually to avoid these forever chemicals, even though they can be toxic. They appear in things like food packaging, products like soap and shampoo, furniture, even clothing. The chemical is used to make plastic more durable. Scientists say the forever chemical phthalates can disrupt how a mother's placenta functions which could trigger a premature birth. Researchers say their study found up to 10% of preterm births were linked to the chemical phthalates in 2018.
0: Okay, so this is a news report that was released from ABC Channel 2 on the same day that the publication from The Lancet came out. I like how these reporters stated the info because they hit it right on the nail. They said up to 10%, not 10% of all preterm births, they said up to 10% can be linked, not caused by, just linked, uh, which, which is an association with these phthalate chemicals. All right. So I really like the way that they reported uh, on this article. Again, this was uh, ABC. Uh, Channel 2 News Alert from WBAY.com. Not a sponsor, Just I just like the way that these news reporters tackle the data. Now that we've stated that, let's get into the report itself so that you can see what, what these authors found. This was a legit investigation. I mean, it was funded and sponsored by the NIH, the National Institute of Health, and so it, it really has good backing. It has good people doing this. And it actually used information from a database that the NIH has called the ECHO program. That's E-C-H-O as in ECHO. That's the Environmental Influences on Child Health Outcomes. And that grouped data between 1998 and 2022. The nice thing about this study is that it was Pretty population diverse. About 24% of mothers identified as non-Hispanic Black, 25% were Hispanic or Latino, and 43% were non-Hispanic White. So it's a pretty good mix. In addition, 6% though reported that they smoked during pregnancy. And that itself, remember, that is a risk factor for preterm birth, but thankfully it wasn't like 50%, it was 6%. In this prospective analysis, the researchers used the data from that ECHO program to study the association of 20 different phthalate metabolites based on gestational age at birth, birth weight, birth length, and birth weight for gestational age based on their Z-score. So short of it is, hey, let's group this, let's get this uh, year span of data, let's look for metabolites of 20 common phthalates and see when these patients delivered, basically, all right? That's it in a nutshell. These are mother-child dyads that were used to, to find the data. These researchers looked at just over 5,000 mother-child pairs arranged from 13 different cohorts in the ECHO program. Now, they took a look at, remember, 20 different kind of metabolites, but the one that really stood out as the highest association with preterm birth was a specific one called DEHP. Okay, so there's all these different names and they're really weird. I'm not going to get into all those weird names because they're all chemical names. But DEHP is one kind of metabolite that seemed to have the strongest correlation to delivering early. Di-2-ethylhexyl phthalate. Yeah, no one's going to remember that. So just remember DEHP. Okay, D-E-H-P. And I know we've said this many times, but it really does have to be said again. We're talking about associations, okay? Nothing has been really deemed strong enough to prove causation. And that's exactly as you would expect The industry trade organization that makes plastics, that's exactly what they said. And they're correct. The American Chemistry Council, which is the industry trade association for U.S. chemical companies, released a rebuttal statement to this saying, quote, there's a lot of different phthalates and they all don't have the same chemical structure. They all don't have the same toxicology uh, profiles. Basically, they've done a lot of the background work themselves also. And here's their takedown statement, which you, you can't argue with. This is correct. But again, guys, they're not completely innocent in this whole thing. But this closing statement in their editorial uh, as a rebuttal is right. The American Chemistry Council states, quote, This report does not establish causation, merely an association, end quote. And you can't argue with that. That's absolutely right. Still, nonetheless, it is still concerning. Podcast families, we get ready to wrap this up. I told you at the beginning that I was going to give us all 10 good reminders to try to avoid these chemical exposures, okay? And guys, even in that, those news reporters hit it right on the nail on the head. It's so hard to avoid these because it's ubiquitous. Remember that commentary from 2013? Here's how to avoid phthalates, even though you can't avoid phthalates. Boy, pessimistic, but it's actually actually kind of factual. But nonetheless, here's quick 10 steps. If you ever asked, well, what are we supposed to do with this? Well, number one, Ideally, legislation gets in the way to outlaw these things, so eventually they're just not around. Yeah, that's going to take forever. Good luck with that. But I am hopeful. I mean, now we know that they're harmful. Things can get better. Okay, so number one is identifying the problem, and that's been done. So I applaud these researchers and the NIH grant. That's fantastic. I'm glad this came out just last week. Um, but it's nothing new. We've known these chemicals have adverse health effects and even adverse neurodevelopmental issues, particularly in offspring of patients who had high metabolites of this. We've known that for a while now. OK, but always good to, to have a reminder. But here's quick 10 things that we can all do to try to avoid exposures. OK, this isn't mine. I didn't like come up with these myself. This is all through the literature. This is all based on CDC. This is all based on environmental health standards. 10 things that we can do. Ready? Here we go. Number one, we can avoid plastic food storage containers. Um, Okay, well, I got to raise my hand here in all transparency. Guilty because we have like cabinets full of these Tupperware things. Yeah, I mean, what else am I supposed to store food in? We do leftovers. We're a leftover family. I got kids. I'm not throwing stuff out. We finally throw it out after like five days or starts growing stuff. Can I just be honest? I mean, we're just very practical. We don't like to throw food away. But we got to find another place to put our food. What, glass containers? That seems to be the answer, all right? Yeah, I'm going to do that with small kids. But anyway, number one, try to avoid plastic food storage containers. Number two, limit intake of fast foods. You're like, well, what does that have to do with it? It's very complicated. Not only are some of these chemicals put as preservatives, but also how the food comes to you in certain plastic containers and or wrappings even, those have phthalates. So you're like, oh my goodness, no fast foods. No, 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 just limit or reduce fat food consumption. The third thing we can do is tie it into that, which is limit high fatty foods, because highly processed foods that have high fat content, yeah, there's also a link there that they have high DEHP levels. There was a 2020 publication that actually reported that up to 5 to 10 times higher amounts of DEHP can be found in food with artificial or highly processed fat content, and that includes processed milk products like for coffee. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm a coffee fanatic. I love good coffee, Uh French press, drip, espresso, whatever. The answer is yes, please. I'll take it, and I love uh, girly little cream in it. So if it's hazelnut, if it's amaretto, if it's some kind of salted caramel thing, I'm going to drink it. That's probably not the best for us. I mean, it's full of chemicals and some of those salads go in there. I'm not telling you something that I struggle with because I love that stuff and it's going to be very hard for me to stop. But it's true highly processed and high fat content foods and or drinks like these creamers you got to be careful so make sure that they have they are phthalate free number 4 obviously it makes sense eat fresh minimally processed food um okay but that means going to the store every day and buying like fresh meat and fresh chicken and that's organic i mean it's expensive and nobody's got time for that that's why it's great to say these things and it's very difficult to implement on a busy uh, day of work and activities and student uh, and kids activities going on at school. It's just hard to do that. But I'm just I'm trying to trying to convince myself of doing these as well. I think it's nice to kind of make a list of these kind of print them up and kind of stick it in on the family corkboard, and put it in the office. Give it to patients as a good reminder. Just 10 things that we can do. And we're only on number five. The fifth thing is use water bottles that are made of glass or steel. Not plastic, all right? No, not an endorsement for the Stanley Cup uh, or, you know, the pink thing that now nobody could find because I'm not sure why. But, and Stanley Cup is definitely not a sponsor. But the point is, don't use plastic. Try to use glass or steel mugs or containers to put your drinks in. Number six, and I'm guilty of this as well. We're not supposed to microwave or put into the dishwasher plastic uh, cups or uh, bowls because it can loosen apparently some of the chemicals uh, from the body of the of the structure yikes right so don't microwave or put into the dishwasher plastic things uh, beyond the fact that sometimes they melt melt but sometimes they say microwave safe but if it's some kind of plastic they probably have a thalon in it so try not to uh, put them in in that kind of heat environment Number seven, we should avoid plastics that are recycled with numbers three, six, and seven. So avoid recycled items that are three, six, and seven. Uh, I just had a little uh, daughter, uh, dad-daughter dinner at one of our little restaurants, and the little bag that came in said made with recycled material, and it was recycled material. Uh, I think it was number eight yeah i think it was eight so i'm like oh all right we dodged that bullet because recycled materials made uh, that are recycled numbers three six and seven are the ones to avoid right those seem to have uh the chemicals highest um in in these phthalates number eight is avoid plastic bags for your fruits and veggies i guess you just throw them into a Regular old uh, paper bag at the grocery store. We do have a little recycle bag that's cloth. We put our vegetables in there. So we do get that right. Well, let me be honest. My wife gets that right because I hate going to the store. Number nine, we need to look at the ingredients of things that we use. And it's not just for foods. We're talking about soaps, cosmetics, cleaners, uh, perfumes, cologne. Oh, my goodness. Things that have these phthalates in them, especially that ph. Are, are, are terrible, all right? So we got to look at some of the components of things uh, that we buy. And number 10, the last bit of advice for us here on our list of 10 is choose wood, stainless steel, or silicone for our kitchen tools because plastic utensils, even things that are sturdy, like to stir uh, soup or rice or whatever – that are made out of this plastic, typically, sorry guys, have some kind of phthalate in them. So those are quick 10 items. Avoid plastic food storage containers. Limit intake of fast foods. Avoid highly processed fatty foods. Eat fresh, minimally processed food. Okay. Okay. Thanks, I'll, I'll try. Next is use water bottles made of glass or steel. Don't microwave or dishwash plastic things. Avoid plastics that are recycled with numbers 3, 6, and 7. Avoid use of plastic bags for fruits and veggies. Look at the ingredients of cosmetics, nail polish, fragrances, etc. And choose wood, stainless steel, or silicone for kitchen tools. Oh my goodness, chemicals all around us. It's like you can't get away from it. What are you going to do? It's in the water, it's in the soap, it's in the plastic forks that we use, my goodness. It would be so reassuring to go, wow, we know that there's an association with preterm birth, like 50% of preterm births are linked to these chemicals. Man, that would get attention, right? But if it says 5 up to 10%, still super significant, still important, still need to to avoid those chemical byproducts, but... It's just five to 10%. I wish it made more of a dent in preterm birth because we need help with this, not just in the US, but globally as well, especially now since progesterone is not a thing. We're kind of stuck. Well, let me caution that I am progesterone is not a thing. Vaginal progesterone, super controversial. And boy, have we covered that in previous past episodes podcast family, I hope you found this helpful. Again, it's our commitment to get stuff to you that's fresh, that's new and current. Uh, And it's our passion and our love to do that. All right, podcast family. Well, that brings us to a wrap. As always, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.